This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. What a night. What a night, what a time in the earth. Um, What a time in the earth. As, you know, every week and so... seems to be involving and swelling. It's like it's swelling. And, um, you know, one of our happy places as a family is um, the beach. And, yes, my son at the back, amen. I mean, we're in agreement, like, yeah, like, let the ocean come up here too. I mean, let it just swell. But the right way, not with death. Um, but there's, you can, you can sit at the beach and, um, my husband, Neil and I, I mean, we've been together for nearly a half a century. I mean, it's 45 years together. Um, and we've been going that long to Nags Head, right? But anyways, when you, when you spend time and you have something in your heart, you watch it really meticulously. And so... <clears throat> I love watching the ocean and watching the current and the tides and the swelling. And there's a swelling happening in the body of Christ in the earth. There's a particular swelling happening um, in our church. And in our church, there's a particular swelling happening on Wednesday nights. And I think be, you know, partly because a lot of things can transpire when you're... This is a school. You know, it's, it, it pays to name something a school. You get a license to play, to explore. And so from week to week, things have been swelling in here. And, um, and even in um, my heading it up, it's, I don't want to use the word difficult, getting more difficult, but it's getting more strategic in making decisions. And so one of the things that um, I hope you all will ride with me on this one, but time is not going to be God in here. Time is not going to be God. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes we do as humans, we have preferences. You know, some would like to stay in worship forever. Some would like to get out of worship and go into the teaching of the word. Some, you know, may be here and it's so new and, and you, you don't, there's just so many things. But this is where our trust of one another even comes in to to trust decisions that are being made. And one of the things for me big time is going to be that I'm not going to just stop worship and start teaching. Um, I will endeavor to respect, and all of the faculty will respect your time. I mean, you've had long days, so we're not going to, if Holy Spirit's not moving, we're not going past 9 o'clock. But at the same time, we used to, in, in our home group, the leader of our home group, Rodney Cash, who is one of the um, spiritual fathers in the house, one of the elders, he always sits right over here, and he's the one who did was the leader at the beginning in our house, and he always gave what we called the 9 o'clock speech. And he said, technically, our care group goes from 7 to 9. If at 9, Holy Spirit is moving, we won't be ending, but you are free to go. No condemnation. You know, some people had to get home for babysitters and such, so... You know, we're, we'll have that kind of thing here that, um, you know, if, if you're getting impatient in worship, I encourage you, just sit down, relax. There's, there was a lot of movement in the room tonight. Um, there was ministry um, from individuals to other individuals here. God is speaking, and, you know, people have needs in their lives or a need even just for encouragement. And so I encourage you, as we're growing in um, moving with God living within the movement of God in the earth. You know, not all the time does the movement of God feel goosebumpy. Not all the time in the move of God do you know or do I know what he's doing. Not always in the move of God do I think it's him. I'm being honest. I might not feel a thing and I might think, well, But remember that those are thoughts. And those often can be things that will keep us from going deeper in the move of God. You know, we have...
permission here, well, first and foremost from God, but also from Pastor Gavin, that this is the school, and really we can let things happen here. And so I said all that to say this. I feel that it's time in the school to to move into um, some searching and exploration in the word with respect to worship. But not music. Not what we just came out of. That's a product, you know, the two that led us tonight, Asia actually was the lead. That's a product of a life that actually is worship. So the music flows out of that. And so I wasn't even sure that I was going to tell you guys this is where we were going because most Christians, I almost feel like I could say all Christians, but I won't, you know, that's a gross generalization. But most Christians, you say worship and they think music. You say worship and they think a worship service. You can have the most beautiful worship service with incredibly gifted and talented people and not have one degree of worship transpire there. Not a judgment, just an observation. It can happen. I'm not, it, that's not what happened here tonight. So don't think I'm pointing fingers. But I, I want to delve into some things, and here's why. The swelling that's happening is not something out here. It's happening inside of humans who love God and love Jesus. The swelling is happening in our hearts. And what I have found through the decades that I've been here and been a leader here is that often we don't know how to answer the swelling, how to define the swelling, why the swelling's happening. And often the swelling can be very uncomfortable and um, inconvenient. <laughs> I mean, it can be really inconvenient. And so we're, we're going to explore some of this, and it won't be me doing all the teaching. And, and at times you'll think, well, this isn't about worship. Because think about what we've looked at since the beginning of this year. I think it's crazy how God laid on my heart at the end of last year, this is what the theme of so is next year. Only Jesus, just Jesus, just Jesus. I mean, the songs tonight... Literally, when you first started to do the sound check, and I was standing there, you started just your own with um, the name of Jesus thing. You know, I had an encounter at the beach, but in bed in the middle of the night with earbuds in, listening to that song. Because here, here's the deal with life: if we really want to live life, Jesus is the focus. Because Jesus is the one. Who got us to Father God. He paid the price. He makes the way open. He didn't just make it open once all those years ago. He actually did it before the foundation of the world. Because it happened in God's heart and mind first. But then think about it. Every time we need guidance. Every time we need input. Every time we need provision. Every time we need comfort. Whose spirit is it? Who comes to us? Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized us in the Holy Spirit. And he's the one who continues to baptize us in the Holy Spirit as we need him. Are you all with me? So, so some of what we are going to look at, I want you to really let yourself turn off what you already know and let him swell differently inside of you. He may pull on some of what you already know, And he may, do you love me? He may trash some of what you think you know. No condemnation to any of us. But sometimes knowledge is for a season. And then you find that it wasn't as deep as you thought. I mean, I grew up in a denomination. So I'm so thankful to this day for the denomination I grew up in. Because it taught me that this is the word of God. The inspired word of God from cover to cover. Don't trash it. Trust it. And I learned that Jesus is my Lord and I am once and forevermore saved. But there were other things that I came to a point where I needed to move in another direction in order to go further into the life God had for me. And some of that was a full-time ministry call, which I, I wasn't after. Any of that. But I, I say all of that because all of us, 
that the worship that happens in the earth happens because humans lay their lives down in front of God. They give their lives to Jesus. You see, God, God wants to move in the earth, but he needs a body. Take a deep breath. Because part of what we've done in this Just Jesus year is we've explored the foundational pieces to being Christian, to truly being in Christed, not being a church member, okay? Being Christian, being in Christed. We've explored faith. We've explored what it is to really trust God, what it is to have the word living in us, what it is to trust God and have faith, not that he would always deliver us out of something, but that we would literally walk by the power of the Holy Spirit through something. I'm going to kick my shoes off or I'm going to trip because I'm a little bit heavy-footed because I'm just ever so slightly, you know. <laughs> that won't make any sense to anybody on the tape, right? <laughs> Whatever. So, so, click off some of the things. Get ready to really look at the word, more word, but also the word you currently know. Be prepared for Jesus to rock up in a way that some of the things that you're carrying really faithfully, doctrinally, he's going to rock up in the middle of them and they're going to flesh out in you and it might blow you away. Because I know that the people that come on Wednesday nights, don't let this trip you out, men, but every person that comes faithfully on Wednesday nights are so pregnant with the truths of God. And there are many things in each of you that are to be delivered into the earth. But it might not look like church stuff. Are you with me? Okay, I want to... This is... It's so crazy because, yes, the Jesus year, I I really didn't think that he would do the worship stuff. Now he's actually been talking to my heart about some of this stuff to bring it to so for a couple of years. And uh, I was waiting till it looked like it was a setup. And um, a couple of weeks ago... He basically was like, it's, it's set up. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, have you ever felt something so deeply in your heart, but then you really don't know what to do with it? You don't. You, it's so personal. It's so in your heart. I think all of us, you wouldn't be here, and I say this to you again and again, you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if there wasn't something happening inside you that is just not the norm. You know, there are a lot of people that love Jesus more than anything, and they will go to church on Sunday, but they generally don't do anything to do with church. And I'm, this is not a judgment either. It's, you don't have to, to be with God. In fact, you don't even have to go on Sundays to be connected to God. I mean, it's not a law to come and sit on a church pew. That doesn't get you saved. And if you don't do it, it doesn't get you unsaved. But there are things happening in each one of you, and so I think... I think we'll explore some of this together. And, and as we do it, it's really, it is more about how God wants to define the life of the worshiper to us. You know, there are so many books out there. There are so many teachings. There, there's so much. I've had a bunch of input into me and people that I love their teaching and all, but what their teaching has done has stirred me to a point where there's a swelling that I have to face some things personally. I just have to face them personally. And the beautiful thing about this particular um, movement or direction is that every single person in earshot of this, whether you're here tonight whether you come back next week or listen online or whatever, whatever God's doing in your heart, you're a part of this movement. You're a part. You see, God is swelling in the church of Jesus Christ to get us out of certain behaviors like, um, you know, well, I, it really doesn't matter what I do. Now, there's a lot of people that are actually called. There are people that are anointed. There are people that are ordained. We have all kinds of excuses. You know, it doesn't, like, I love Jesus, but I can do it quietly. I can do it inconspicuously. What if Jesus had said that? Jesus, you've got to remember, Jesus was human. I think 
I think one of the biggest things that scares Christians is taking Jesus off the high pedestal and, and looking at his humanity. He was perfect. He never stepped away from the Father's love, never stepped out of faith. But he had to do all of that staying connected through a human life. With all the temptations that we deal with, he dealt with them too. But he chose to never separate from the Father. And so what a perfect guide to take us into the depth of who we are as worshipers of God on the planet. You see, to me, this is just me. This is not a doctrine. I'm not starting a doctrine. I'm not trying to get anybody mad at me. But to me, it's not good enough to say I'm a Christian. That, that has gotten to be such a tag that anybody that has a religion might call themselves a Christian. And basically, of late, they are. Not a judgment, just an observation. And it's important that we observe what's happening. Because I believe now what God wants to do is literally swell inside of those that are really committed, those that really are allowing, not just have allowed and said a prayer a decade ago or however many decades or five minutes ago, not just said a prayer to receive Jesus, but literally taking Jesus in and let Jesus take them in. And now our worshipers are those whose lives are devoted to God. Because you see this, this word, one of the key words in scripture for worship is koinonia. And it's um, one Greek word that means toward and the other one means to kiss. So it speaks of utterly abandoned loyalty and commitment to. That's scary. Seriously, guys, that, can't that be scary? Because you're thinking, what, what are you going to require me to do? Nothing that won't literally bring us abundance and life and joy. I mean, hello, okay? It's time for us to really quit being scared of what is it going to require of us? Because it's not a sin to say no. If somebody asks you to do something, you don't feel Jesus is saying that, you can say no. Are y'all with me? I mean, seriously, like, it's time to learn all these simple things in life. It doesn't prove we love God more to say yes to everything. It can prove that you're crazy or codependent. I don't know. No, I hate that word, though it is true of some of us. Okay, so I want to read you something because, and this is from a man, I love this guy, Dutch Sheets. He's so powerful and he's a father and, and a, you know, like a general in the faith. So this is from part of a, a quote that he did. I found this in my material of, you know, that's been stored up for decades. Um, it says, he, God, is seeking worshipers. The difference is huge, immeasurably so. We are the worship. God longs for the singer, not the song. Our hearts as a worshiper is what makes our singing worship, not the words and the music. He'd rather, and this is the part that, literally blows my mind. He'd rather have a love-filled glance from your eyes than a song parroted from your lips. He'd rather have a love-filled glance from your eyes. You know, sometimes that kind of thing can feel difficult. Like, how do I glance at God? He's invisible. I don't know, but I, I think a lot about a lot of stuff. Like, I sit and ponder stuff like that. And some of that curiosity, that's the curiosity of a child. I'm not afraid to be childlike and just say, you know, like, I need to understand more about this, God. And I think, honestly, I want to understand more about actual devotion to God. I've learned a lot through the years I've learned a lot about the devotion to God, but I've learned also a lot about devotion to God in a church setting. Commitment to the body of Christ, which is beautiful and wonderful. But the whole reason for the empowerment of the body of Christ is so that the world that is unsaved and has never seen him can see him. You know, if you see, if you see lovers, if you see a young couple, and you see them away from each other, like if you see them together... You might see the PDAs and you're like, oh yeah, they really care about each other. You know, like they're connected. 
connected it. Because, you know, maybe they're never not connected when they're sitting side by side. You know, all that touching and stuff. But when you see them separate and they're really in love, at some point if you build a relationship with them, you're going to find out how much they love the other one. As you build relationship, you're going to see things about who they are and how they are that proves the bond between them as mates. Help us, Jesus. Right? Here's something for you. And some of the things will go outside the boundaries of, you know, your, yours or my traditional picture of worship. We study the word or the scriptures to know God, not to know the Bible. Just let that sink in for a minute because even some of your reading of the Bible or study of the Bible or knowledge of scripture, he's going to come into that and swell within it. And what I have found is sometimes when God does that, he's doing some of it to me in, in this season. Some of it messes with my perception of doctrine. Some of the doctrine that to me I thought like, okay, all this is finished, this is done, finished. But then there's an aspect to, to truth in, in Bible, in scriptures, that is far more present continuous Are you all willing to have present, continuous um, growth regarding worship? Okay, let's look back at the word proskuneo. It speaks of a relationship. You know, um, when I grew up in the denomination that I grew up in, the relationship with Jesus, um, Jesus would come and live in my heart. All of these pictures are hard to grasp when you're a child. How, how does this man named Jesus come and live in my heart? And so, because some of the doctrines were not understood, some of the doctrines of Christ were not understood in the church that I grew up in, there were just things we were given, and we were expected to receive them, accept them, trust them, and trust God. But we really didn't understand, how does this play out in our life? Think about what I just said about Scripture. We study the Scriptures to know God. You don't have to answer this question, but I will ask this question. Do you approach the scriptures to know God or to know the rule? To know God or to find out how to get the blessing? No, say no condemnation. But we really do need to look at these things. We have to look at, okay, in my life, God, I want to grow in worship of you. I want to be a worshiper, not just in a worship service. I don't want to just jump. I don't want to just have goosebumps. I don't want to just think, what an awesome song. The words turn me on. You you ever feel like that? Some of the songs, the words turn me on. They're just like, yes, this is life. This is good. But it's about more than me. Worship isn't really about what the song makes me feel like. You with me? Okay, Um, so this life we're looking at is, um, if we're looking at worship as our lifestyle, us actually giving ourselves over to God, I'm going to ask you all a question. Um, We'll see if, I'm going to be honest, okay? And I hope that you'll be honest, just at, at least how you answer it in your own self, sitting on your little seat there on the only butts in the room. You know there's no butts with God? Except what we sit on. Does this slightly unnerve you? Going a direction. See, it's easier for me to think about it in terms of worship service, music. How do I give my heart to God when we're singing songs? How do I, excuse me, worship in the spirit? But when it crosses all the boundaries of my existence, am I willing in certain places to give the glance to him, to not lean to my own understanding? Some things are unnerving. Does anybody else feel that way? I mean, seriously, to look at, okay, Lord, how do I go or how do I commit more deeply I can't answer for anybody in the room, but I've committed pretty deeply in the past 30 years. 
And so he's not saying, I need you to commit more deeply. He's saying, I'm coming to you, Kathy, with life. You understand that he's not after the commitment. He wants to give us life. This is the beautiful thing about God, that honestly, when we let ourselves go to this, it will provoke inside the worship that is due him. It will provoke that which causes us to always think of him. I heard a lady that teaches prayer. She said one time that this is when we can um, know that our, our minds, even our minds, not just our spirits and stuff, but our minds are committed to God. When, when we're not engaged in something else, our mind returns to God, just like a bird to its nest. When a bird's flying around getting stuff to feed their kids and all that, you know, their babies, they're all away from the nest, but they always return to the nest. And so one of the powerful things about commitment to God is that when I'm not otherwise occupied, where does my mind go? No condemnation. You know, that's the beautiful thing about learning and growing. God knows exactly where we are, and he doesn't want to shame us in letting us know where we are. When he came to Adam after the fall, and he said, I mean, we're talking about the omniscient God. And he says, Adam, where are you? This is the omniscient God. He knew where Adam was. He wanted Adam to know where he was. Not geographically. Adam, you haven't been embarrassed. You haven't been ashamed until now. And so he's coming to reveal life. He's not coming to shame Adam. He's not coming to punish him. He's coming to reveal deeper life to him. So whatever we look at in the next however long, it's going to be for greater life. So though you may feel unnerved, um, or whatever you, however you would describe your feeling, um, I encourage you, just allow God to say what God wants to say, to touch in ways that he wants to touch. You all with me? I'm sort of just setting it up tonight, and I'm going to tell you why. When he said it's time, for days now I've been trying to, I've been like, okay, Lord, what? How am I going to intro this? Excuse me. How am I going to, what do you, what do you want this teaching to look like? Nothing. I couldn't get anything down on paper. I mean, you see a bunch of papers here. These are papers from my interactions with him on the box for decades. So it makes sense to me that he wouldn't give me anything for how this is starting because he's going to take some of these things from the box and unwrap them and unpack them further. I want to look with you because this whole relationship of God owning us, God loving us, God bringing life to us, God actually teaching us and guiding us on this path to be who he created us to be, which is an expression of himself, which is our life, expressing him back to him. Literally breathing back to him what he breathes in and on us. That worship. That's a covenant existence. You know that the word covenant has been involved in society from early on. Tribal peoples cut covenants. And they literally would would shed blood. So God chose a way to describe how he would commit and come into relationship with man. He chose something that was familiar to man. But the thing with him is he will never break covenant with you. Humans can break covenant without even realizing it. God will not break covenant. So I want to share with you a scripture that I found years ago that absolutely blows me up. Um, And I'll explain why after I read it to you. It's Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And think about it. We're not talking rules and laws. We're talking love and 
stay within the parameters of the love laws he gives us. He keeps covenant for a thousand generations. A generation, according to mankind, mankind would say that 40 years is a generation. So he keeps covenant for 40,000 years. But, okay, this but doesn't stand with God. This was how he talks. He's, he's saying this to each subsequent generation of peoples. And he's painting a picture. I mean, 40,000 years. I don't know about you guys. 40,000 years is a lot of years. That's a big number. 40,000. And he says, he will keep covenant. He will be the faithful God who keeps covenant for 40,000 years. So as we literally let him show us how to walk in life with him, how to um, worship him by honoring his word, not just obeying his word. See, some of these words, if they trip you out or trigger you, get a new word. He's not just wanting us to obey biblical truth. He's bringing to us guidelines, parameters, and boundaries for safe existence on a planet where he knows there is an enemy who's a master at tricking humans. Are y'all with me? Because this promise from Deuteronomy, this stands to you right now. As we yield to God, as we say, I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to grow further. Do you realize that we step forward and we take all of our lineage with us and all of that that's in front of us? We're literally saying, Father, I'm setting some things up, not just for myself. I'm not just setting up the aspect of worship, being a worshiper in the earth, being someone who literally stays connected to you. I'm not just doing that for me. I'm setting some parameters that are examples for family. This is a world that if you think about your kids and your grandkids living in this world and then your great-grandkids, this looks like a messy place to live. Right? A scary place to live. The stuff that just can tempt them. I mean, put aside the mean people, but the stuff that can tempt them. But when you build a life with God, there's a protection that literally becomes the overshadowing. Like when you, you were hugging under the shadow of the Almighty, under, in the pinions of the Lord. There are pictures that God paints. Think about this. What pictures? Aside from scriptural pictures, but when you read pictures, do you know it's okay for you to get your own pictures? It's okay for you to get some pictures. If the pictures you get point you to Father God, Jesus, or Holy Spirit, like that's cool. The devil's not going to point you to them. This is important. So one of the pictures from Scripture is under the shadow of the Almighty, like this safe place, this overshadowing. Being a worshiper literally takes you under the shadow of, of the Almighty. See, things like this even change how we enter a worship service. This is not Sunday song service or Wednesday song service. This is us literally tucking down under God and saying, we love you, we honor you, we trust you, we need you. We need you. Do you know that we can come on Wednesday nights and we could worship together and release our hearts and let the songs of our hearts come? We could make changes in this nation. Do you understand that the Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000. That's not one plus one. That's exponential. If two puts 10,000, how many does 12 put or 50? (coughs) Are y'all with me? Because we say this nation needs a lot of work. And yes, some things need us to put our hands to it. But some of it needs us. We just need to trust God. If I hear another Christian say that this nation's going to hell in a handbasket, I'm going to punch him in the face. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm like, how on earth can the people who are prophesying the future of this nation say such trash? And if you've said it, I'm sorry if you're offended. But don't say it anymore, please, because that's... I mean, is that what we want? I heard of one of the, um, Charles Capps, he's with the Lord now, but um, he's one of the, I cut my teeth on him, and Marianne loved him when she was a little girl, and she found his daughter's book, Quantum Faith, and 
So anyways, he used to say, um, in talking about faith, he would say, if, if you go on your back porch and you want your dog to come in, but you call your cat's name, why would you call the cat when you want the dog? Why do we talk trash and call it in when we should be saying, Father God, this nation is ordained by you to not only be a Christian nation, but it is ordained to be a sanctuary. Hello, thank you. And God would like people to be here. Religious freedom doesn't just mean that we let everybody be whoever they want. They can, but then we demonstrate Jesus. Don't bring the law, bring Jesus. Bring love. I got a little bit on a soapbox, but that's because honestly, this whole aspect of worship blesses us, but then it blesses through us. We don't have to walk around saying, I'm a worshiper, I'm a Christian, I'm a this, I'm a that. Just demonstrate I'm learning more and more to sell out to the goodness of my heavenly father. You see, there, there's a force. That I'm learning this more and more. We used to hear the term in Christian circles when I was growing up, saving faith and saving grace. I'm going to tell you what, saving grace is the most powerful force on the planet. The only reason as humans that we can hear God and be in faith did, you know, you hear his voice and you get faith. Just like a little kid hears their daddy say, da-da-da-da, and they believe it. And they trust their daddy. If we would be with God like that, think about it, that's powerful. It's grace for him to put his faith inside of us. I mean, please. He trusts us with a faith force that is his power. Those are the kind of things that are crazy to me. Those are the kind of things that I believe over the next weeks we're going to look at. All of these foundational pieces we've been looking at for months, they enter into the setup that I said God said with regard to worship. Because the fact that he trains us, he guides us, he'll teach us about faith, he'll teach us about provision, he'll teach us about comfort, he'll teach us about stability. He'll always tell us the truth. All of it is setting us up to be sell-out, lay-down lovers with God. And don't think dirty of that. Okay? I mean, there's some terms you may hear me or somebody else say, open your heart. What would God say to you in these times? Because God is waking up his church. I want to go back for just a split second because this is something that is so, um, I won't quantify it. God did intend for this nation to be a sanctuary, a haven of rest. It's why the enemy pokes with prejudice at everything, not just racially, culturally, even between generations, that the older people think the younger ones are dumb or how they dress or what styles. I mean, we've all been the younger ones. We haven't all been the older ones. But we've all been the younger ones, and people judge us for whatever. Some of these things need to go, you know, guys? Some of them need to go. I mean, we can have opinions, but we don't always have to say them. Trash talk starts in here first. It'll drop to the ground and die if we refuse to let it cross our lips. I haven't aced this yet, just so you know. Just letting you know. I'm still learning. So two other places where you can see this exact same scripture as Deuteronomy 7.9 is 1 Chronicles 16.15 and Psalm 105.8. And if I would say anything to you guys tonight, one of the prayers that I think is powerful to have the nerve to say to God is make me hungrier for your word. And then one of the things that stimulates a natural appetite is to eat the thing. You can get addicted to stuff just by eating it. Well, you can get addicted to the word of God by eating it too. It doesn't happen right away. Just like sugar doesn't happen right away. Here goes the nose thing. You all know me in the nose thing. 
I must be going down the rabbit hole with Jesus and getting... (laughs) My nose always runs when I go there. Um, So God teaches us to keep or honor, live in, and stay alive in covenant with him. So he's going to teach some of us more about covenant as we study worship. One major action, I said pray that God would make you hungrier for his word. Um, one of the, the powerful things that happens when you begin to get curious in the word of God, it makes you curious about God and you search more and more and then it provokes gratitude because as you search his word, you might at first feel like, I don't understand what he's saying. I don't understand what that scripture means. But when you keep asking questions and you keep pressing in and you come to things like this or listen to the messages from Pastor Gavin on Sundays or you listen to someone else on YouTube. When you give yourself to the ministry of the word, God himself is inside poking around. You know, when God said, um, and this is, this is God's character and nature, this is what he does. He speaks into darkness. In the beginning, when there had been the catastrophic happening and it was dark, he had created everything perfect. And then, I'm not going to go here and teach this, but it's tohu vabohu, and it's between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. It's believed that was a cataclysmic happening because all of the languaging in Genesis 1-1 where God created and it was a good thing, that was freshness. The language after that was restorative. He created everything perfect, but then there was a happening. I'm not going to go into all that teaching, but there's a happening, and now there's a need for restoration. So he says, let there be light. He brings illumination once again, because that first let there be light, it's not talking about sun or moon or anything like that. He's stepping back onto the stage, and he's speaking light. If we have anything in us that's that's not connected it to God, not hooked with God, not a worship of God. He's going to come and speak into it. But that's why we should be so excited with correction, with conviction. Because he's coming and speaking light into a place we lack revelation. Are you guys with me? <laughs> you want me to just teach worship traditionally? <laughs> I think it's going to be extraordinary how this unfolds. I'm so excited to see things that go on with each of you all because we all have a hunger. We all have even some desperation, right? Like, okay, in life, like some of these things, you ever look at like the whole Christian experience or the Christian church or whatever, and you think, really, Jesus? This is it? Like, this is going to take over the world? This is going to make that come right? Ever feel like that? Ever feel like sometimes, if this is just me, I have no problem with it being just me. Sometimes I look at things and it seems futile. Absolutely, utterly futile. Like, <clears throat> why do we get together every Wednesday? Why do we? Why do we pray? Why do we? Sometimes things feel utterly futile. That's only a feeling. That's a lying feeling. That is not the truth of God. When you, he is faithful to 40,000 years worth of humans. And he says that to each subsequent generation. He is being faithful every moment of every single day. Even when things unfold that technically, according to prayers or faith or doctrine or beliefs, shouldn't have happened, he's still good. He was always there. He will be there forevermore. He will help us walk through the difficulties, the the things that appear to be futile. This nation is ordained to rock the planet, not judge it. One of the most powerful things, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'll tell that story, but I'll tell what's behind the story. One of the most powerful things in the world for someone to see is a legit Christ-inspired human being. They may not understand it, they may not believe it's true, but when day after day, week after week, month after month, your commitment holds steady it's, it speaks. It, and who's speaking? It's God speaking. I think I'll end with this because um, I just want you all to 
after tonight, ponder from here to next week. Let God just begin to show you a little bit of maybe how he's going to move with you, how, how he's going to, maybe what he wants to adjust. God wants to give us pictures. I said this a minute ago, but I want to tell you a story about something I saw, um, probably, I don't know, a few years ago. Because I, I always look at, okay, God, what do people see when they look at us? When they look at Christians, what is our life really saying? I'm, I always have that kind of a feeling. And, and I'm always, um, I'm captivated by devoted people. And I've come to realize that some people are devoted to the wrong things. But they're incredibly devoted human beings. They're human beings with an intention inside or an awareness inside that they, they want to give themselves to this. So I was um, thinking, having this particular week, some of my ponderings had to do with, because um, I'd heard a lot of prejudicial statements um, about Muslims, and it was, it was bothering me. And um, so I was just talking to God about it, and, and he began to speak to me about devotion and, and about commitment. And how, you know, kind of how to learn to capitalize on that, to build bridges and connect to people that have it, that if they're, if they're committed to the wrong thing, they're just misguided, but they don't know it. And so I got this picture as I got into this, these ponderings, I got this picture one morning, and it was wild because I um, was aware that many Muslims that are completely committed, they will put their mat down and worship anywhere when it's time. And so I thought about, because I had read about a prejudicial thing that happened in an airport um, when a Muslim gentleman put his mat down. And I can't say that my thoughts were Christian response. I was like aggravated and I just want to punch him for doing that, you know, treating the guy like that. So God said, what do you think would happen if a Christian saw that and went and worshipped, knelt right down next to him and worshipped me. Wow. That would speak louder than words. Not saying we don't have the same God. How do you know? I mean, we know doctrinally certain things. A lot of people know some things doctrinally about us, too. And most, a lot of our behavior doesn't match it. I'm not trying to make anybody mad, and I'm just saying, I think it's time for us to look at some things in our lives. I want to look at some things in my own life. Because when, when God spoke that to me, I was like, whoa. How could that influence? Because, you see, when we truly put our lives at God's feet, We truly say, however you want to manifest life and love and truth. That may, you may think, that is the most wackadoodle thing. That was my pondering. If it doesn't float your boat, don't think it. But for me, because I'm I'm tired of being those who are literally, Romans 5.5 says that the love of God, the love of God, the love that is God. You see, I mean, it's not, love is not something God has. God is love. So the love that God is has been shed abroad in our hearts. And yet we have the audacity to get pious and prideful that our religion is whatever. Our religion isn't even about religion. Our religion is literally devotion from God to us that provokes it back to him from us. So I want to encourage you as we're moving on in this school of word and worship, as we're moving on this second half of the year in just Jesus. Let's explore what does it mean individually. So I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you, know, you can just be in agreement with me if this is your prayer, because I, I want to know what my next movements as a child of the Most High God, as a worshiper of Jesus and Father God in the earth, as a much-loved child of God, favored and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I want to know how I need to move further. 
Because I want to grow till I leave this planet. I want to grow till I take my last breath. I don't want to think I've arrived somewhere and know it all. Are you all with me? Father, we love you so much, and we, we, we're still grateful. I prayed that at the beginning. I'm praying it at the end. I'm really grateful, Father God, and I, I want to know, and I, I trust you that even the study that we do in this, this course, this time of really reflecting and learning and growing and allowing you to swell the whole truth of worship inside of us, I yield to that, and I, I pray, Father, that every man and woman in this room that, that chooses that, we agree together. We agree together that you're going to help us. You'll, you'll help each instructor that brings the word. You'll help our hearts as we're in musical worship and practicing exploring you and exploring our own hearts. Father, I declare tonight that I have the nerve to explore my own heart. And when I find the dark places to let you say, Kathy, let me bring light. So, Father, I pray with every person that's agreeing with me that they will do the same, that you're going to be the one. We don't, we don't have to strive. We don't have to feel condemnation. We can really know that you're just growing us up further. I thank you for what you're doing in Living Faith. I thank you that this is a house where we are allowed to have a school like this. We're allowed to press boundaries, to grow beyond what we've known to this point. So we say ahead of time, Father God, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to teach us. Thank you for the changes that you're going to empower us to accept. Thank you that living faith is growing beyond its own boundaries. That we're going to allow you to grow up inside this house and take us just as far as you choose. We pray right now for Pastor Gavin. We thank you, Father God, that you have placed him at the helm of this household. And so we speak blessing over his life. We speak rest. Father, let him have sweet sleep and rest. We pray that this household and what you want to do here, that it will not be a burden on him. That it will be a joy. And so we speak over him in the mighty name of Jesus, that you're strengthening him in his innermost being by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that as he brings the word on Sunday, you're inspiring him. You're growing him up as well. And so we link our lives for your purpose, Father God. May we grow to be deeper worshipers in every arena that we go to. In Jesus' name. Amen.